Welcome back to the Creator Files podcast. We're getting an update today with Ricky on his YouTube channel after his 30-day publishing challenge. So we did a series earlier mm-hmm. about this. Um, I think maybe episodes like, oh, I don't know, three through six. I should have <laughs> checked on that. I'll put it in the description in the show notes. But we have several episodes as he went through this 30-day publishing challenge and all the way through the end of it. But we kind of want an update on how it's going after he has stopped publishing every day. So where's the channel at now? Yeah, right now it has, I have 714 subscribers, so not quite to the thousand mm-hmm. for being able to display ads. And then watch time, I have 3,400 hours. And that's actually really interesting because Jim and I created the Backfire YouTube channel. I remember this same thing happening. By the time we got to the thousand subscribers, the 4,000 hours of watch time were just done, right? Yeah. And so many people say, how do you get to the watch time? And I've always just been like, just keep working on it. And by the time you hit the thousand subscribers, the watch time will come. And so many people tell me, no, I'm at over a thousand subscribers. I can't get 4,000 hours of watch time. It's just something about the type of videos I make. For some reason, I get more watch time than I do subscribers, at least pace wise, you know, comparing the two to each other. Yeah. Do you have theories on that? Um, Some, I think part of it is maybe just the type of videos that I make. I tend to, I tend to kind of like to just teach and like too much, right? I could make my videos more entertaining and they'd probably be more subscribable if they were a little bit more entertaining. But because of that, like once you start learning the thing, you kind of need, you want to learn all the, the things. And so, um, you know, in a 10 minute video, I'll have an average watch time of like six minutes. Um, whereas a lot of channels are going to have either, um, less of the video viewed or they're just going to make way shorter videos. Yeah. Um, because I teach so much, it's like videos being 10 to 20 minutes is totally normal for me. So even if I only get five minutes per view on average, like it's more than a lot of channels that are getting a minute and a half. Right. Um, I wonder too, if with a lot of channels, they're not publishing as frequently. And so, you know, if you publish like four videos in a year, right. or four videos in six months, then maybe a lot of the people that find the channel have found it through search. Uh-huh. But there's just not a lot of other stuff to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And you have people watching. Oh, we should have checked on this. You have people watching a lot of your videos, right? Multiple yes. videos. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I And I can tell that because um, I have people that comment like mm-hmm. on every video. So there's names that start to become familiar, right? Yeah. Um, I, did a, I did a video where I asked people to guess how many pumpkins were in a pumpkin patch. Okay. Like- pretty simple. Like there was no teaching in that video. It was like, here's a pumpkin patch and here's how big it is. Here's a drone shot of it. How many pumpkins do you think are there? And I even took some kind of closer up little shots and it was just kind of for fun around Halloween. Right. Yeah. And, um, I had some people guess and you know, one of them was someone who, again, I'd seen him comment a few times and that person was the closest and they won and I mailed them a pumpkin, you know, and they were like so excited to get the pumpkin. Like this person was already kind of a fan, you know, even though the channel was still a month and a half old at that point. Yeah. Um, You're building loyalty really early on, Mm -hmm. which is, that's really interesting to me because I think a lot of people would not think to do that. They would feel like they're, it doesn't matter. It's not big enough. Yeah. Just make some videos, put them out there. Yeah. (laughs) Waiting to grow instead of like appreciating and nurturing the audience that you do have. Right. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. And now that's probably a viewer for life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and all I had to do was mail him a pumpkin. I mean, yeah. I grew the pumpkin, so it was basically free. And then I think it cost me like $7 to mail it to him, mm-hmm. you know, but 
now that's a person who just like they have a stronger connection. Yeah. And aside from that one person, you have all of your viewers seeing that you're engaging with the audience, that you care yeah. about the audience. They feel included. I imagine even though they weren't the one that got the pumpkin, right. they still can tell that you're, you're involved. You're doing that kind of thing. Exactly. That's really cool. So I imagine the people that are watching are really loyal. And like you said, you can tell by the comments, right? Because you have people in the comments saying that they watch. And it's not tons of comments. I mean, people, mm-hmm. I hear all the time from people with new channels. They're like, well, nobody comments. Well, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's normal because it's a very small percentage of people that watch videos that will comment on those videos. Now, obviously there are a lot of things we can do to try to encourage comments, things we can mention in the video where we can say, well, what do you think about this? Like, this is what I think. Here's my opinion, but what do you think? I'm open to hearing that. Yeah. And when you're specific, right, about a specific thing, people are typically fairly opinionated. And so if you take a stance on something and you're like, but I want to know what you think, tell me, like, they're going to be like compelled. They're going to have to be like, no, I disagree. Or I'm totally with you. Um, So there are things we can do to help encourage more comments, but on new channels, like it's going to be very few because the numbers are just smaller. As the numbers get bigger and you start getting thousands of views per video, then the comments increase. Yeah. You don't want pity comments and you've got to like encourage people to give them something that they start thinking about and then have to express not just like, please, it would really support yeah. me if you'd give this video a comment. People hear that too much. <laughs> right. What do you think it means if a small channel with not a lot of views is getting a lot of comments compared to their views and subscribers? I think that means that somebody, they're creating content that is just, for a lot of reasons probably, but it's just really making people want to engage yeah. for some reason. I think you can make really entertaining videos that people really love to watch and they'll even like, but they'll they'll never comment because there's no reason, you know, I guess if we think about it, like what are the reasons people would want to comment? One of them is just support. Like, oh, I like you. Thank you. Like, this is a nice video. Thank you for taking the time. The, a very small percentage of people are going to do that because like we don't even say thank you anymore <laughs> in the world. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, then there's the people who comment because they disagree with something you said, which only can happen if you take a position. So if we're like really vague If we're just saying, well, you know, here's kind of the facts as they are about whatever it is, you know, Uh, there's no stance being taken. And so there's nothing to disagree with. Yeah. You know, most people aren't going to disagree with straight up facts. When you make a, a statement, when you're like, hey, this is the best or, you know, I thought this was awesome. I don't know of anyone better. You know, when you're talking about a product or or anything. Right. If you're talking about a sports team like, oh, this player, you know, uh, LeBron James is the best of all time. There are a ton of people who are going to say, uh, no, excuse me. He's like not even number two. Yeah. (laughs) It's Michael Jordan, then Kobe Bryant. You know, it's like, I saw Mike play. He is amazing. Um, people are going to have to, to chime in. So either they're going to disagree. And then the next I think is because they really agree with what you said. And they just want to be like, they want to be part of that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm team Mike too. You know, Michael Jordan's the best. And so they want to be part of that and they're going to jump on and then they're going to have that sort of banter in the comments, right? Mm -hmm. There's the people who comment because they're trolls. And, you know, if we're not encouraging discussion in our video, chances are that the the comments that we're going to get are going to be either the few people who are just super nice and supportive and the trolls who just want to be mean. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's what you're going to get if you don't encourage and drive comments proactively in a specific way. 
there are probably a few other reasons people comment, um, maybe to answer a question that you posed in the video. But typically it's because for one reason or another, they felt like you engaged with them and they want to engage back. Yeah. Um, I've noticed too, if you make videos on things, people always say like, nobody's talking about this. So maybe it's really controversial or maybe it's not controversial, but it's just something that other people are maybe answering in a more general way or just not touching on, just leaving out. Yeah. People love that. You get so many comments by people just being like, nobody's talking about this. Why is nobody talking about this? I've wondered for so long why nobody is talking about this and they can't help but like, thank you or just chime in and say, nobody's talking about this. This is great. And you're right. Someone's finally talking about this. It's so good to hear someone talking about this. Yeah, Yeah. So I feel like that's a really good way to, to, get some natural engagement without even necessarily asking. You're just right. and building a loyal audience too by doing that. And then people go for that unique information that yeah. they feel like they can't get anywhere else. Okay. So hit monetization for the super thanks right. on November 14th. November 14th. And yeah, that was interesting. So, you know, only a few months ago, YouTube enabled this kind of early monetization. Yeah. So it required only 500 subscribers. So halfway on the subscriber count, but still 3000 hours of watch time. And so I hit the 3000 hours of watch time. Again, I'm, I'm thinking about this, like in terms of sort of like my progression toward the, the thousand subscriber, 4,000 hours of watch time. Uh-huh. So at 3000 subscribers, I'm three quarters of the way there, but I'm not three quarters of the way there even now. And it's been two more weeks since then. I'm not three quarters of the way there on subscribers. Mm. So that's what I mean where, like I'm at 3,400 hours of watch time. I only need 600 more hours, Yeah, but I still need almost 300 subscribers. Have you been asking for subscribers? No, uh-huh. not really. The one thing I do is kind of as a call to action at the end, sometimes I'll point out a specific video, usually not because I just don't have that many yet. But what I always do say is something like, you know, and if you like the topic, right? If you're into this, that's what this channel is all about. So check out the other videos I have. And then I always have videos in the end screen. Um, I'll usually have two, one that's a specific video and one that's like selecting the best for viewer that YouTube has. So I'm trying to encourage people to just keep watching. And I think if, if people watched a couple videos and are like, oh yeah, I like this guy, they're going to be more likely to subscribe anyway. Mm -hmm. Just everybody knows, click the button, ring the bell, you know, everybody knows what to do if you want to see more videos. (laughs) So I don't feel like I need to say that very often. Right. I do think though, there's a balance though. Cause if we don't remind people like they're, they're going to overlook it. I, there are a lot of channels I've watched that I don't subscribe to. So what I've seen a lot of YouTubers do is at some point in the video, they'll have a little subscribe button appear on the screen and then the little mouse button kind of clicks on it. And it's like this subconscious like you didn't come out and say hey subscribe but like you just kind of gave them this little reminder Gosh. hey by the way just push this click this little button right here um and it doesn't interrupt the pacing of the video in that exactly. case exactly yeah, yeah. I, there was a channel i have to find it it was so interesting i think it was some kind of youtube education channel i'll find it and put it in the notes they tested this and they already had hundreds of videos mm-hmm. and i'm not sure if it was intentional of like we're going to say it in this video and not in this video or just retroactively, more likely, I think retroactively, they went back and said, okay, let's analyze which of our videos we asked for subscribers, which ones we didn't. And they looked at the metrics and they did get more subscribers by far 
and the ones where they ask for subscribers. If you don't remind people, they probably won't do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. People get sick of it and it is annoying, especially, especially if it's drawn out. I think so many people I've noticed are still doing the thing where at the end of the video, they don't know how to wrap it up. Uh huh. And so they spend a long time asking for a subscriber. Like you got to ask quick. Yeah. You can't spend five minutes. <laughs> I, and I'll admit like ending a video is one of the things that's hardest for me. It is. You yeah. know, I get done saying what I'm going to say and it's like, oh, but it's not over. I need something to end this. And so. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's all I got. Bye. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, you know, it can feel awkward. I don't know. It can. And you know, people that do it really well, a lot of times, like the video ends before you expect it to. And then mm-hmm. you end up with higher, you know, longer view duration. And there, that's a trade off too. Cause it's like, if I put a little end screen up, then I've already cued to people that it's ending. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do end screens for the full 30 seconds. I'll usually shorten them to like 10 because people kind of are kind of used to like, Oh, the end screen popped up. He's wrapping up yeah. and it's like, Oh, but it's over. The other thing too is like you can end the video, but then let, either a black screen or your logo stay on the screen for another 10 seconds with the little end screen. Yeah. But have the actual video content be the thing that ends a little bit abruptly, not like harshly, but a little bit abruptly, like a little bit before people expected it, I think is a good practice. I'm not great at it. It's honestly, I'm not. So, yeah. Okay. So you stopped publishing every single day. How often are you publishing now? Yeah. So the first week after I stopped publishing daily, I did two the next week. And then I think I quickly went to one a week. Okay. And then by the end of October, even before the end of October, basically a lot of things coming up, lots of things I needed to do. I missed a couple of weeks and then I published one November 8th mm-hmm. and I haven't published since. So I have one that should go out like tomorrow and another one I'm filming now that'll probably go out next week. So I'm getting back into this weekly routine, but a few things that kind of came up, uh, and everybody's going to have this, but uh, if you can avoid doing what I did, please do. I think part of it was by doing 30 videos all of a sudden, I was a little bit, maybe a little burnt out, but also while I was doing 30 videos, I was like in the zone. Mm. So every day it was like, yeah, I've got like 10 things I could film like right now. Well, when it, when it came down to like, I only needed one or two a week, it was like, what am I going to film? Like, what do I have that's even kind of ready? It just like was harder to come up with ideas. And it's like, I've got a thousand ideas. Like this is easy, but it should have been some like way three easier. times easier at least. No, yeah. It was almost like I was, I was willing to accept a video that wouldn't do amazing because it was, you know, in a week it was one of seven. Right. Right. But now it's like, Oh no, I want everyone to be a winner. And so I feel like it has to be great. And so I end up, wanting to film like, and I have these ideas of ones that I've been wanting to do from the beginning that are going to take more time. And I haven't been able to like, I literally need to take like a day to go out to the mountains and film, you know? Yeah. And so then it's like, well, if I'm going to do that, then to be efficient, I should probably have like three that I are planned that I could go film that day in the mountains so that I don't waste my time. All of a sudden. And next thing I know, <laughs> I'm not doing it at all. And so, um, yeah. that's kind of what happened. Um, huh. when I stopped the daily publishing, my views, um, new subscribers, watch time, all those numbers dropped precipitously, like right away, which didn't surprise me. Yeah. Because when you do have some people watching every video, you know, you're going to get more, a lot more views, right? So again, if I publish, if I have like five people that just watch every video, yeah. but I publish seven in a week, that's 35 views that now 
I don't get any of those because those people have already watched all my videos. They're not, you know, they're not rewatching yeah. old videos. And so the only views I'm getting now are from people that YouTube is showing it to either because they searched or because it's in their feed. Uh, and YouTube is, and this is the cool thing, even without me publishing for <laughs> like three weeks now, um, and that's sad, <laughs> but even without me publishing in that amount of time, wow, I'm still getting like 200 views every day on average. Wow. So some days are closer to 300. Some days are actually the lowest day I have in the last 28 days is 149 views. And the highest was the highest is 298. So almost 300 views. Yeah. Which and, by the way is an excellent metric to keep an eye on. Yeah. Not that you should obsess over analytics at all, but some people just like obsessively watch the subscribers tick up, but yeah, look at the daily views. Right. So there's a few baselines, right? There's the baseline of I publish a new video within the first week or so, how many people are going to view it, right? That, mm -hmm. And that gives you an idea of who your regulars are and how mm -hmm. big that regular audience is. Because that first week is going to be mostly the audience YouTube thinks you already have, plus then the initial people it pushes it out to. After that first week is mostly going to be new growth or people that kind of watch it later. Yeah. Um, maybe people who come in later or who just aren't on top of watching your channel. They just, they'll watch it whenever. And so that's a good one. But another one is just kind of like, yeah, what's sort of your daily view count. So if I publish weekly, I'll get a spike every time I publish that lasts, you know, the day I publish and then the next day it's still a little elevated. And by about day three, it kind of comes back. Like what do those little valleys look like and kind of where, where do they level off at? And that's kind of your baseline daily view count right there. Yeah. And it's a, it is a good number. If that number is going down, be concerned. If that number is going up, cool. We're moving in the right direction. And so for these new videos that you published after doing the 30 days daily, so you sort of had, I don't know, I'm not going to call it a break because it was intentional, but yeah. you went from a really frequent publishing schedule and then two people that watch daily might've looked kind of like right. a break or especially if you're thinking about how it looks to the algorithm. Uh-huh. But did you notice any difference in the reach? Uh, a little bit. Part of okay. it, I think, though, is the video topics. But yeah. um, if I look at my content, like, channel-wide, the the very last video I published, the one I published in November, was literally the one where I gave away the pumpkin. Like, mm. oh, no, 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 just kidding. That one was late October. Okay. There's one since then. And that one, like, because it had been a few weeks <laughs> before that one, I think that was the main reason why. It just... I mean, it's got 78 views. Yeah. By the way, on this whole channel, there are 33 videos. Wow. That seems 33 long form videos plus a few shorts. That's right. why I'm like, okay. that doesn't seem right because I published more than three since the 30 day challenge. Um, so there's 33 total videos and only six of them have under 100 views. And one of them is the latest one I published. Yeah. Like it's, and then the one before that was the one where I gave away the pumpkin. And that one initially didn't do amazing, but it's got 226 and it's not even literally I gave away a pumpkin and then I showed how I kept the weeds down in our pumpkin patch. Yeah. Like it was a little bit informative, but mostly it was giving away a pumpkin. And the lower views might be because, you know, subscribers haven't kept an eye on it since uh -huh. it's been a while. It could be for other reasons. I'm kind of tired yeah. of the myth. I think it's safe to say it's a myth that the algorithm punishes you. No. Cause you stop publishing for a little bit. Right. It's not how it works your loyal audience might forget about you. And that's what it is. Yeah. Because if the algorithm is made to approximate who the audience is, then like if YouTube shows that, oh, this person published again and it's in their feed and everything, but they're just like, oh, 
Like I'm kind of, yeah. When you're into something in the moment, you see a new video come out. You're like, oh yeah, I have channels like that. I have podcasts. I used to listen to every episode. I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not because they quit publishing, but just like I, for one reason or another, kind of shifted away. Um, There are channels where they kind of slightly changed the format and it was less interesting to me. So when I see it pop up now, it's like, uh, unless the title's really interesting to me, I'm not going to click this time. And I would have before. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens when you take a step away. People just get out of the habit. And so now their feelings have kind of just cooled. They're not as just like excited every time you publish. Yeah. But you can get back if you. Yeah, totally. Go back to publishing more often. Um, Do you have a goal for how often you're trying to publish now? I would like to get back to a, a weekly publishing routine. I think that for a lot of channels, that's pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can keep it up, I think maybe that's just kind of part of how we as humans are in our routines. We kind of, at least in the societies that I've been a part of, right? In kind of the Western culture, we work to kind of a weekly schedule, the seven day routine. All of my Mondays are fairly similar. My Tuesdays are fairly similar, right? Yeah. And so if, you know, if people are just used to like, yeah, on Monday or on Friday or whatever, they publish cool. Uh, they're just, it's going to get people into a routine of watching. Yeah. I think if you do a lot less often, I, the same thing happens to me, by the way, with television shows, you get into a show and you're, if you're watching them as the episodes come out week by week, it's like, cool. Oh, new episodes out. I want to go watch it in the next, at least in, within the next day or so. But when the season ends and you have this long break, Maybe you're really excited and hoping, you know, when the, when the show comes up again, that you're going to watch it week by week. But a lot of times, like you just kind of get out of that routine yeah. and then this, the next season's halfway over and it's like, oh, there's some new episodes. Cool. I'll catch up, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you want to watch it, but you're just not like in that routine. Right. And so I think if you can maintain like a weekly schedule, um, you can become part of people's routine. And I think that's why that works so well for people. And the exception being some channels that are just the videos are just really good and you really like them. And so you don't really care when they publish. Uh, I've mentioned them before, but Mark Rober is one where we see mm-hmm. a new video and it's not even just, it's not even me. It's my wife's like, Hey, did you see there's a new Mark Rober video? I'm like, yeah, I saw that it was there, but I haven't had time to watch it. She's like, pull it up on the TV. Get the kids. <laughs> Come on, sit down. We're all going to watch Mark Rober, <laughs> you know, dedicated. and everybody loves it. Yeah. Um, because we want, we had to see lava versus acid, like who's going to win. Um, <laughs> And we just, anyway, That's fine. so I think there's, you can break out of that, but I think for a lot of us getting into a routine that can fit into other people's routines yeah. is beneficial. And expecting that you can be at Mark Rover's level yeah. of people being like, put it on right now. Right. That's not going to happen. You know, that's like, that's like how people get when Disney releases a new, you know, right. Pixar movie or something They're like you just kind of almost a lot of families would automatically right. go see it you're not going to be a Mark Rober level for a while. Mark Rober okay. wasn't at Mark Rober level for a while. Yeah. Like he was publishing on YouTube for years before his first glitter bomb, you know, and there were some other videos that did well before that one, but that was when I found out who he was. Good point. Um, you know, Jimmy Donaldson, Mr. Beast, he was on YouTube for years and look back at those old videos and you'll see like, it's not the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, but once like, things kind of got dialed in. Then suddenly just in the last few years, like, Oh, new Mr. Beast video. Everybody has to watch it. Um, But it wasn't always that way. Right. And you more than likely will never be 
you know, anyone listening to this will never be Mark Rober or Mr. Beast level. Right. Possibly. Unlikely. Some of you might, but most of you probably won't. And that's okay. You can still have an amazing channel and an amazing channel where people will watch every video every just video. because you released it yep. eventually. But especially in the beginning. Yeah. I think if you can get kind of into people's routine, that's not terribly hard to do. No. Especially for at least a portion of your audience. So, and like I've, I mentioned the backfire channel. I haven't been on that channel in over two years. I still have people who are like, Hey, aren't you from backfire? Because wow. they're watching. In fact, um, looking at the analytics, if I look at the most, the 20 most viewed videos on the channel, like three of them are from like the first six months of the channel. <laughs> Cause they've just been around so long and they're kind of staples for the channel. So literally people are watching me on a channel I haven't been on for two years. Funny. And there are a lot of people who they watch every video on that channel when it comes out today. Is this online or in person that you're getting recognized? In person. Oh, people are like, hey, aren't you that guy? And it's like, I do way more with income school, but demographically the income school audience and the channel makers audience and um, all of you guys are, I mean, you're all spread out worldwide. Yeah. Um, the Backfire channel there's a lot higher density of the viewers of that channel. Plus that channel has got a lot of subscribers um, and a lot of regular viewers. And so it's being, yeah, lots of videos being viewed by millions of people. Yeah. And so anyway, and those people are more concentrated in the Pacific around the Northwest. region where I live. <laughs> yeah. And so I get recognized in person way more for that channel That's than cool. anything else. Uh-huh. Do people usually know your name or they just kind of know your face? Usually they just know my face. Because mm -hmm. on even on that channel, we weren't really like, it wasn't like you're Jim, I'm Ricky. It, we, from mm -hmm. the beginning, we included more people on the channel. There's Nathan's in some videos. It was never yeah. so much about like us as individuals. Do they usually know the name like Backfire or yeah, is it Backfire? Okay, they know Backfire, which is interesting because everybody right now it's like, you know, personal brand, right? It's about the personal brand. Nobody cares about a company, but the right. thing is, it's like they don't care about a company, but they do care about a channel. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, dude, perfect. I don't know any of their names. Mm -hmm. but they have a brand. True. It's not about some corporation. It's like the dude, perfect guys. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And so I think you can have a really good brand that's not just tied to an individual personality. I hadn't really thought about those specific examples until right now, but yeah, but yeah, it's true with backfire. People, and that channel's huge. Yeah. 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 People and people know the channel more than they know the names. Um, let's talk about the blog. Yeah. and affiliate earnings and an info product. So are you noticing any increase in how the blog is doing since the YouTube channel has been growing? It's probably hard to tell because you like it is, buckled down on both kind right? of at the same time. Yeah, I mean, throughout the year, the blog kind of just slowly grew and grew and grew. And then, um, you know, when I started publishing on the channel, yeah, it was increasing more, but again, it kind of was following the right growth curve. And then um, early November, there was yet another algorithm core Google core algorithm update. So there's actually a bit of a drop since then, like in the last two weeks or so, three mm -hmm. weeks. It's interesting though, because I didn't get hit by any of the other updates. There've been a bunch this fall. Yeah. It was just the very latest one. Wow. But again, like it's picking back up. Uh, so it's kind of going up and then there's a drop and then looks like kind of this upward trajectory. And then I'm showing today's numbers and it's the morning. So today looks really bad. <laughs> but yes, so I don't know how much the channel has really pushed traffic to the blog. I haven't been super deliberate about it. I think there was like, I did one YouTube short where I pushed people to the blog and I may have mentioned it in a couple other posts. Another thing I started doing, but I have only done with probably six videos 
is I publish them on the blog too. So I make a, a blog post that is literally just the video. I'm actually working on a, on a plugin right now to be able to do that automatically. So like you connect a YouTube channel and it'll, you, when you publish a video, it'll create a blog post with the video and the transcript so and, cool. and all that kind of stuff and just pull it in and publish it on your site. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing that and hoping to show up in Google search both on YouTube as well as like right there on my website. But you mentioned affiliate earnings. That one's really interesting to me because I've had this blog up all year. I've had people coming to the blog, viewing it with some products, you know, linked to in some of the, in some of the articles. And then you've had affiliate links on the blog for a long time. Yeah. And I, I get clicks here and there. You can see it on Amazon. It'll show you like how many clicks you get each day or whatever. Not a single ordered product that led to earnings mm-hmm. until I started the YouTube channel. So I have this channel now. It's not even monetized on YouTube, but the channel got earned me $72 in the last 30 days. And I published one video in that time frame. So my 200 views a day just earned me 80 bucks. Like, there you go. That's, that's something to be in, excited about. Yeah. Like you don't have to wait for YouTube monetization. The day we get monetized, it's not going to suddenly start making me a bunch of money. No. Like slow. So you can see that those are from YouTube. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you think anybody has gone to the blog from YouTube and ordered an affiliate product and they just trust you more because they saw you on YouTube? Or do you think they're all coming right from YouTube to Amazon? It's tricky to say because Amazon's not showing me for sure where they came from. Okay. I just know I didn't get any sales until okay. <laughs> until the YouTube channel. And so I suspect it's a combination of those things. If people went to the blog and then ended up buying a product, like that wouldn't surprise me if that's happening with some of these people. But the biggest thing I think is that there's a different level of trust when there's video content. It's totally different. You can read blog posts and you have no idea if that person's actually touched the product. Yeah. It, the article might've been written by AI who has obviously no idea if the product is any yeah. good. Um, but when I like physically handling a product and saying, wow, this feels pretty rigid, like this is good. And you, you trust me a lot more. Yeah. It's so weird because like, obviously if you have the affiliate link in your YouTube, like you're hoping to make some money. Yeah. Just like the person that wrote the blog post, but it is so different. Like if I read a blog post, especially an anonymous one, it's like, I don't trust this at all. Right. I don't know if AI did this or, you know, I just don't trust it at all. And then, yeah, if you see a creator that sounds down to earth and kind of sounds like they care about their audience and they're mailing them pumpkins and I'm uh-huh. like, yeah, I, I trust this yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, you make a video and you're like, Hey, here's a backpack. It's a, uh, it's a pretty sturdy backpack. The zippers are working well. I'm not, they're not getting hung up anywhere. Yeah. Like maybe you point out some downsides that people think, right. oh, that's not a big deal to me or. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's important. Like if you're going to be reviewing products, like if you only talk about how great it is, then it looks like an ad. Yeah. When you talk about like, well, you know, as far as this goes, I've definitely seen better, but you know, this one's a lot cheaper. So if you're on a budget, just know that this is what you're losing by saving money. Yeah. Or, you know, this, that's what you're paying for when you spend five times as much for uh, the name brand product or whatever. Right. It's exactly what people want to know when they're looking for a review. What are the trade-offs? Yeah. Everybody can tell that which one's more expensive and assumes that the expensive one is probably slightly better, but yeah, is it worth it? Is it worth it in the ways I care about? That's what you want somebody to tell you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And and you can look at reviews, but it takes so long to through reviews or just four and a half stars. Like, 
okay, so it's great, but is it great for the money? Is it great yep. in the ways I need? Yeah. And you got to wonder even now, like Amazon reviews, how many of those reviews were written by, you know, somebody who, like the company itself, Yeah. right? You see a new product out there and you're just like, hmm, it has seven reviews. They're all five stars. Everybody thinks it's amazing. The English isn't very good <laughs> in most of them, you know, and it says that the person was a buyer, but like, is it worth it for a company to go buy 10 of their own product from themselves Sure. to get 10 good reviews to start off with? And I know this is happening. There are people literally paying for that too. Like you can pay people on Fiverr to write reviews. It can be a little tricky because Amazon can tell if they're an actual customer or not, mm-hmm. but like you can pay a them lot to buy of, it. Yeah, and, exactly. And a lot of fake it. reviews out there. Yeah. Doing legit reviews and being able to show it, like being able to actually have the product. I think people are trusting that way more, even than, the star rating reviews on Amazon. Yeah, it's huge. And depending on what your topic is, it can be a little expensive to break into, but I mean, even if you can start with cheap things, like for example, on channel makers, tech is expensive. If we mm-hmm. had tried to do six cameras or something, yeah, we could have done it. It would have been really expensive. No, we did RGB lights. Yeah, Like that's pretty cheap. And that video did really well. It's still doing really well. Yeah. Like it's still, I, right now, I think it's one of our top 20 viewed videos in yeah. the last 28 days. Right. So you know, you have an expensive topic, uh-huh. like what in that topic can you do cases for whatever the thing is instead of the actual thing. And then you get a little bit of a proof of concept. Cause I get, if you have right. a really new channel, maybe you're not getting a lot of views anyways, that could be scary to invest a lot of money. But yeah, do it for some cheaper seed. Did this do really well? Would it be worth it to do it with something more expensive? One of the early things we did on Channel Makers before the channel had much of an audience. And it was interesting because Jim and I were like, well, let's do RGB lights. I think it was even, it was Jim's idea. And then we ordered seven, I think, Mm -hmm. RGB lights, seven different ones, quite a range in prices. And then we just planned out a series of tests. Like there's apps on your phone. Some are free to be able to test like, how bright it is to be able to test the color, basically like shine the exact same color on a blank white wall and measure what your phone says that color is. And then, you know, from there you can determine like which ones are more or less accurate, right? Man. We did a bunch of stuff. We we did one test where we just charged them all 100%, turned them all on, and then we put a camera that could see them that just ran until they all turned off. And so we could see from the timestamp in the video, we didn't have to sit in the room and watch. Like, so we did a bunch of tests and then we handed the data over to Nate and he made a video. But um, like, that wasn't hard to do. We probably spent most of a day, but again, a lot of that time was like, set up the test and leave. Yeah. And then when we were done, we had all this awesome data. We did the same recipe over and over and over again on Backfire. On that one, we did spend a lot of money, but we started off with range finders which aren't cheap, but they're a lot less expensive than other things <laughs> that yeah. we ended up testing later. But follow the same recipe. Like, what are the things people want to know? With an RGB light, it's like color accuracy, maybe not the most important. I can just like, you know, adjust the dial till I get to the right blue that I want. Yeah. But like, how convenient is it to use? How easy is the menu to click through? Um, at least one of them had Bluetooth to the phone, so you could actually like set it in your phone and turn it on. Um, and then how long the battery lasts is a big one. I mean, if you're filming, you know, maybe you have a 10 minute video, but you're going to be filming for 45 minutes. Well, if the battery only lasts 30 minutes, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Like we just thought through like, what are the things people would want to know? Yeah. I've seen some tests lately of people who wear like five fitness watches and then they go count their steps for 3000 steps. Like they just go for a walk. 
and count Smart. while they walk. See which ones and then it's accurate. like, which ones were the most accurate? Yeah. And yeah, just look at the questions people are asking or, right. or wanting to know like, oh, seems really accurate. If there's a review and somebody says, seems really accurate and it's got a bunch of likes, then okay, maybe yeah. test that type of thing. Right. Like we did on Cook for Folks, Anna and I did thermals. To uh-huh. just, we put them outside overnight with hot chocolate. And yeah, which held their temperature best. Exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting too. Cause like hydroflask get the name and like, it feels like good quality. And I think that one did decently well, but when I'm buying something, I always wonder like how much of it is a bias because of the brand perception, right. you know, see people like, man, this is so nice. Like, are you sure? Would you notice <laughs> if the brand was different? Um, and we were surprised by some high end name brands that weren't holding the temperature as well. And even if the expensive ones do better then you can say, okay, well, this water bottle is 30 bucks more and you will get two hours longer out of it. You will get right. 12 hours instead of 10. If you're outside in the freezing cold. Yeah, exactly. If you're inside at your office drinking coffee. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter because hopefully you drink your coffee in less than 12 hours. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, right? Hopefully. Like, <laughs> exactly. so there's, yeah, but you can test like the extreme limits and then in the video you can kind of pull it back to the, but practically speaking, these two are the same thing for the normal uses. But yeah. if you're that, per- if you are going to go out like snow skiing or snow or, or um, you know, <laughs> snowmobiling, I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> Literally talking to my dad about snowmobiles like two days ago. Oh, um, you're going out snowmobiling, right? And like, you're going to leave this, you know, Stanley thermos full of water at your campsite all day. And yeah. when you come back, you want hot water. Like I, now I want to know how does it handle freezing cold weather for 12 hours? Totally. And so, but I maybe don't care with my Yeti because maybe that's not the purpose of the Yeti. Yeah. And people care like so much about this. If you do a review like that on any topic, yeah. that's that in depth and that precise and that objective, not just like, uh-huh. Oh, really nice packaging. Then Next time you put a review out, if they have any interest at all in the product, they're going to watch. Like, exactly. You're going to get some loyal subscribers. So yep. yeah, those are And awesome. people like love it when you say, look, I bought all these with my own money so that I could test them for you. People are like, oh, wow, that was really nice of them. You know, like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, and then suddenly the trust level goes way up. We did this yeah. one video where the intro was Jim and he's holding seven <laughs> rifles, like holding them out in front of him, like, um, kind of up on his shoulders and he's walking toward the camera and he's like, and it was just, we basically scripted it cause it was hilarious. It was like, you know, we, we told the government it was a business expense. We told our wives we were working and we went out to test these. And, and, but part of the intro was like, and we bought them, we bought them with our own money because no one can buy a backfire review. It was like, oh, that cool. was part of it. It's like, you can't pay me to say good things about you. And so even though now, backfire has had some where people send him a product and he tests it, but he's already given that like, yeah, I'm going to say the negatives. Yeah. That expectation yeah. set the standard. Okay. So takeaways are review things <laughs> really objectively, get some yep. stats, um, publish consistently. Yes. And mail people pumpkins. Yeah. Or, or something, <laughs> something maybe, or just freebies yeah. of some kind, like just, Build connection somehow. Exactly. Or shout outs to commenters or like there's a million yeah. ways that are, isn't physically mailing somebody something. Yeah. But the, the lesson there is that you are really engaging, even with a small audience, you're not taking them for granted and that will pay off. I think so. Absolutely. It's been a great episode. Thank you, Ricky. Yep. No problem.